Hello and welcome in. We appreciate you joining us for this Wednesday edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. We're excited to be back after a brief hiatus. Caden and I both had a busy week last week and just ran out of time to get an episode out. Today, though, it's March 15th and we're inching closer to the start of the 2023 season. In anticipation of that, today's episode will focus on breaking down the recently released 2023 football schedules for the Sunbelt members. Each schedule consists of eight conference games with league play beginning as early as week two this year on Saturday, September 9th, with Old Dominion visiting Louisiana. This year's league schedule will also feature seven midweek matchups that will be featured on ESPN linear platforms. These matchups will shine the spotlight on 10 of the 14 Sunbelt member institutions. Coastal Carolina, Georgia State, South Alabama, and Southern Miss are each going to make two appearances during the Sunbelt's midweek package this year. Caden, once again, we see the Sunbelt placing some of their most tantalizing matchups during the middle of the week. You played in your fair share of those at App State. What was your experience like playing in the middle of the week? Oh, it was a great experience for me overall. I think, first of all, you have to look at it as a privilege. No offense to Arkansas State or Old Dominion, but those are two teams that finished at the bottom of the conference last year and will not be playing in those midweek games. So it is a privilege. It might be more of an inconvenience, or you might get some extra time depending on your matchup and the scheduling. But as a Sunbelt player, you love playing in these midweek games because it's one of the few times that you're on television and you're just looking forward to having people back home supporting you. You want to make a play on TV so it ends up on someone's Instagram story. They don't have to go to ESPN Plus Plus to watch you play. So it's an exciting moment for all these teams to be able to be on the national stage during the week and kind of be the only show in town for teams. How much of a challenge is that midweek game though in terms of preparation? I know it can speed everything up. Yeah, it definitely speeds things up, but I think the the main priority that these teams and programs take is just taking care of your body with such a quick turnaround. It's way more of a mental prep kind of week versus a physical prep week. You might not see teams banging on each other in practice, might have more walkthroughs and actual practices per se coming off of a game, especially if it's a Saturday to a Thursday turnaround. So it's really just a mental week all around. And I think that kind of benefits teams that are a little bit more veteran experienced teams, maybe who've played some of the opponents that they're going to see during the week before, but some of the younger guys maybe have to bring along and get them to lock in a little bit more on their matchups individually and as a whole. Hey, those are some great points. And definitely, I don't think things that oftentimes get thought about uh, when you have those midweek games as a fan. Well, let's not waste any more time, Caden. It's time to jump into today's discussion and we're going to spend time breaking down the schedules for each one of the Sunbelt teams. I think we'll go ahead and just start uh, in the Sunbelt East. That seems like it would be easiest, and then we'll get to the West teams uh, in a little while. But, Caden, let's go ahead and start with the James Madison Dukes. Why don't we here? Uh, When we look at this schedule, this is probably one of my least favorite schedules this year in the Sunbelt, or better put, most challenging schedules. I'm a little bit disappointed because I look at the crossover for James Madison this year. They're going to Troy and then they're going to come home and face South Alabama. And each of those two games are in the first five weeks of the year. And in between those two games is a trip all the way out to Utah to play Utah State. And Caden, basically my thought process is here is why. Why are we scheduling two of the toughest teams that James Madison is going to play this year early in the season, sandwiched in between a trip to Utah State? Uh, It really feels like we're trying to get teams a loss early on in the season. And I just don't feel like in terms of the national narrative, that the Sunbelt is trying to push. It makes a lot of sense to take a team that you feel like could be one of your best teams and get them a loss early in the season. Yeah, it's a great point you bring up, and I think it brings up kind of a, a deeper conversation to what the Sunbelt or what any of these conferences really owe some of their top teams or their teams in general as far as scheduling goes. It's very tough to have to go to a place like Utah and have to deal with that time change and then on top of that be sandwiched with two 
really nasty opponents on the West. If you had to pick two from the year before, those are the two you're probably not picking. I think from this, though, if James Madison is able to come out of this, it will definitely raise their stock a ton. And I think their program and their team is probably looking at that as more of an opportunity to do that. But I think Man, that week three matchup at Troy is just a matchup that I'm definitely looking forward to. No matter when it is during the year, I think it being in week three just adds a little bit more juice to it, especially with the James Madison team and a fan base who are claiming they're the kings of the East from the year before who wanted to play in that Sunbelt Championship game against Troy where they're going to get an opportunity to do it early in week three at Troy. So I understand your frustrations, but for me, I'm just super excited about that week three matchup against Troy. Yeah, no, I think that's going to be a great matchup. I think both of those are going to be great matchups. I think you would just rather see those a little bit later on in the season. I also look at the schedule, too, and they have to go to Marshall as well as going to Coastal Carolina. Caden, suffice it to say, James Madison, they did not get any favors in this year's schedule. They didn't, and James Madison came in hot, obviously, last year coming in to the FBS conference that Sunbelt conference and having to make a statement in doing that so I think they're going to have an opportunity this year to put their money where their mouth is and look if you look at their road opponents like you talked about going to Coastal Carolina going to Marshall even going to Georgia State and Troy not easy matchups and I think if this team can be successful on the road it's going to be huge for them and maybe build up even more of that home field advantage they have so very excited to watch them get after this schedule and I think it is difficult yes but I think if they come out of it and they're capable of it like they showed last year that that will only add to their resume going forward, trying to be a ranked team, trying to be a team that maybe pushes for that Cotton Bowl spot. Well, definitely one of the most challenging conference schedules um, this coming season. Kane, let's move on to App State. Uh, and they've got, you know, what I think is a decent schedule here. They, uh, their crossovers, they're going to ULM in week five. They've got Southern Miss at home in week nine. Um, this is an App State team, too, that's also going to appear on national television against Coastal Carolina. It feels like that game every year is basically ticketed uh, for national television. And, Caden, one of the things, too, that I like is that um, this schedule is a little bit backloaded. Uh, early on in the season, they go, they've go; they got ULM and ODU in two of their first three Sunbelt Conference games. So those are winnable games you'd have to expect for App State. Uh, but, man, talk about a tough end to the season. They're going to face Southern Miss and Marshall in back-to-back weeks. And then they've got two straight road games versus Georgia State and James Madison before ending the year against Georgia Southern at home uh, to end that regular season. Caden, I feel like there's some bright spots in this schedule for App State, but there's a lot of challenges as well that they're going to have to overcome. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest things about this App State schedule is any other year, I think this would look like a pretty normal App State schedule. But just based on how the season went last year, with that being a disappointing season and a letdown, I think that it kind of adds some more juice to really all of these matchups going through this year. And I think I agree with what you're saying as far as the order of the the matchups and the scheduling. They get their four non-conference opponents out of the way fast, which are technically games that don't matter as far as them being in the conference championship game. But going to Wyoming is tough. And then the next week, going to arguably what was my, at least as a player, least favorite trip of the year, going to Louisiana Monroe is tough. And when I looked at the schedule at first, I got nervous because I saw they were playing Coastal Carolina on a Tuesday after that. But they have some time. They're going to have a week and some extra time to prep for that Coastal team. And then I think that Coastal game is really going to set off the meaningful football that they're going to have to play. So I think they are going to have some time to get their new quarterback broken in, ramp up a little bit with those non-conference and that cross-conference game before they really dive headfirst into that tough schedule. Well, and let's be honest, they needed a little bit of a break early on in conference play after the non-conference schedule that they're going to play, including East Carolina and and others. So definitely an interesting schedule there for App State. Uh, Let's move on. Coastal Carolina, Caden and This is a coastal team. They are going to open league play on national TV versus Georgia State in week four. You have to imagine that's a winnable game. And then they're also, as again, as we just mentioned, 
they will face App State uh, in Boone in Week 7 on national TV. Caden, here's what I love about Coastal Carolina. Three of their final five games of the season are at home, and we've talked about how tough it is to win in Conway. Uh, they also have a just a great stretch of games to end the year where they can pick up some wins. They've got Arkansas State, Old Dominion, Texas State, Army all on the schedule uh, down the stretch of the year. So I actually like this schedule for Coastal Carolina. It gives them a little bit of an opportunity to maybe ease into the year. They also get a very favorable draw on the crossovers. They go to Arkansas State in Week 8, They come and Texas State comes to them in Week 11. Uh, but, Caden, two of their toughest tests they have this year are going to be at home. They've got Marshall and James Madison both coming to Conway. So a mixed bag here, but I, I there's a lot of parts about this Coastal schedule that I do like heading into this next year. Yeah, if I was a Coastal fan, I'd be pretty optimistic looking at this schedule. It looks like a pretty standard Sunbelt schedule. You talked about some of the favorable matchups they get in their crossovers and facing both James Madison and Marshall at home is going to be huge for them. I think the biggest thing that interests me about this schedule for Coastal Carolina is just kind of the target on their back they're going to have this season. They won't face a team that beat them last year until they face Old Dominion on November 4th. So a lot of teams are going to be gunning for Coastal with that new coaching staff, with that new energy. I think they're going to have that target on their back and they're not going to face an other team that beat them until that season finale against James Madison, which obviously has a ton of juice based on just the conference standings and what we think is going to look like next year. So I think, like you said, very winnable and looks like a nice little path for Coastal Carolina to get back to the conference championship game. It's going to be about can they protect their home turf, though, and can they deal with having that target on their back as kind of a new life program and franchise that they have going on with Tim Beck at the helm. Yeah, I like those thought processes there. The other thing I like, too, about Marshall and James Madison coming to Coastal is we have seen that the network seem to love bringing ESPN to Conway, South Carolina, and you have to imagine if those teams are all playing well, uh, there's a great opportunity perhaps for some linear pickups for the conference down the stretch of the year. Uh, Kane, let's move on to Marshall. I know that this is a, a team that you and I are particularly high on heading into the 2023 season. A lot of pieces uh, coming back, but... Um, you know, they are going to start league play with what I believe are very two or two very winnable games. They've got Old Dominion to start uh, at home, and then they're going to go to Georgia State. Uh, the only thing that's tough about those two games is sandwiched in between there is a trip to North Carolina State, an ACC school uh, that definitely is going to be a tough matchup. So a kind of a challenging start to league play. And then they are going to then see James Madison and Coastal Carolina in back to back weeks this year. Uh, so that's going to be challenging. They have to travel to App State. They're going to host Georgia Southern at the beginning of November. And then on top of it, they get South Alabama as one of their draws on crossover play. They do get a little bit of a an easy one against Arkansas State. Uh, but this is going to be a challenging schedule for the Thundering Herd here, and particularly early on in the season. Uh, they're really going to have to come and play uh, if they want to set themselves up well down the stretch. Yeah, I think Marshall's going to be able to ease in their schedule pretty smoothly when you look at their non-conferences games will give them challenges. But again, those don't really have implications as far as them going to the championship. And then they have Old Dominion early on in the season. But you talked about it. Once they get that Thursday game, on TV against James Madison, their schedule gets very real, very fast, and it hits a wall. And they have that game, and then followed by back-to-back -back games on the road at Coastal and at App State. It kind of reminds me of that stretch App State had last year, where there was just a ton of implications and a ton of high-stakes ball being played on the East Division in a very compact timeline right there so very interested to see what Marshall does and kind of like James Madison these tough schedules schedules are tough to look at but if these teams can put some wins together through those tough schedules I think everyone's going to be able to see nationally that this is a team that you cannot be messing with and a team that should be forced and should be ranked and garner that national attention 
Yeah, it's a great point because a couple of these teams, like you said, if they play well to begin the season, they are going to be ranked just simply because of the opponents that they are playing. Uh, Kane, we'll move on to Georgia Southern, and I feel like Georgia Southern got probably one of the top most favorable draws when it came to crossover. They've got ULM in Week 8. They've got, they go to Texas State in Week 10. I think those are both very winnable games uh, for Clay Helton's squad, but Man, do they have a gauntlet to open league play. They've got Coastal in Week 5, which is September 30th, and then they're going to go to JMU in Week 7. Um, sandwiched in between there is their bye week. Kane, there is the possibility, though, for this Georgia Southern team kind of to get on a run in the middle of the season. They've got ULM and Georgia State, who both come to Statesboro. Then they go to Texas State. You have to imagine those are three winnable games for Georgia Southern this coming year, but then... It doesn't get easy at the end of the year. They get Marshall and App State in the two of their the last two weeks of the year. So there are some bright spots here. I feel like Georgia Southern, if they take care of business, you're looking at four, maybe five league wins here. Uh, and that sets themselves up again to be bowl eligible. Yeah, I think it's a sneaky, tough schedule. You talked about kind of some of the ebbs and flows of it, and it looks like it might be hard. Depending on how that quarterback position, how that offense looks compared to how it looked last year, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this team could get a rhythm going in conference play just because they have a couple of juggernauts that get thrown right in there as soon as it looks like a moment where they might catch some momentum. But I think starting off with that combination of hard games and below average opponents for their non-conference games gives them some time to figure some stuff out and then they kind of dive headfirst into that schedule hosting Coastal Carolina then going to JMU which is a JMU team they beat last year and will likely have some redemption on their minds which will not be fun then they go to Texas State early November that will be a hot game they go to Marshall and then of course they end the season going to Boone playing an App State team who's also going to have revenge on their mind so I think it's going to be a big year with this team about some of those storylines from last year and how that offense looks that'll kind of give us a, a cleaner picture of what this team and schedule looks like because it's a tough one but you could see them pulling out some wins and you could see them dropping some at home maybe I think it's going to be up in the air season for Southern and one of the teams I kind of have my eye on just looking at the schedule and looking what they showed me last year yeah, it'll be interesting, too. We also thought that we would see a pretty complete coaching staff heading into this coming year, and then we just found out a couple of days ago that they uh, their defensive coordinator is heading to the NFL uh, for a job there, and they're hiring a new coordinator. So a little bit of a turnover on the coaching staff there. Caden, the last two here, these are the two teams that probably are going to fight for the worst record in the Sun Belt East, and that's Georgia State and Old Dominion. And man, I really want to focus on Georgia State because they got arguably one of the toughest crossover draws. They've, they're they going to host Troy, but then they also have to go to Louisiana. Can you couple that with what I'm calling a ridiculous stretch to begin league play where they have to go to Coastal Carolina in week four, Troy at home in week five, they get a bye, then they get Marshall at home in week seven, and then go to Louisiana in week eight. It's a challenging stretch there. Those could be four losable games right off the bat for Georgia State. If there was one bright spot in this schedule for Georgia State, it's that their four toughest games against Marshall, Troy, James Madison, and App, they're all going to be at home in Atlanta. So that gives them a chance here, but this is not an easy schedule. And then, Caden, you top it all off, they've got to play Old Dominion in the final game of the year, and that very literally could decide who has the worst record in the Sun Belt. Yeah, we might be looking at a toilet bowl situation on November 25th to end the season, but you talked about it. This is a tough schedule to be a tough schedule for anybody in the conference, but this screams home field advantage. If Georgia State had a little bit better of a home field advantage, it might help them out here a ton, but I don't know if it's going to save them. It's good that they get to see Troy, Marshall, James Madison, and App State at home and not on the road, but it's just going to be a tough year, I think, for Georgia State, and it's going to be very 
very key, I think, at how they start the season. Last year, we know they got to, off to that 0-4 start. We saw them kind of sputter to get out, out the gates. But I think if they could maybe start the season off a little bit better, have some momentum to get into conference play, it might be a little bit more promising than we're putting it out to be. We'll see. Yeah, we will see on that one. Last, really, just here, Kane, and I'm just going to skim through this one real quick. Old Dominion, uh, they've got you know Louisiana, the first conference game in week two, very early on in the season. Then they also have to travel to Southern Miss in week six. Uh, Caden, the one tough thing for Old Dominion is their four toughest games, Marshall, Southern Miss, James Madison, and Georgia Southern are all on the road this year. The Royal Rivalry is going to co- commence at the end of October uh, against James Madison. And then, Caden, three of their final five weekends are on the year. Old Dominion not getting any favors this year in terms of conference scheduling. Yeah, we know they have a new staff, and they're going to have to try to very, very, very early figure out what conference play is like with that week two matchup. That's just a tough one as a player where I, I'm i just not personally going to be ready for conference play by week two, especially after a big Power 5 game against Virginia Tech. But we'll see how Old Dominion looks this year. I think they're definitely going to be tested and especially tested on the on the road. So not not the highest hopes for this team, but just have to be hopeful for them going forward that they'll at least learn some things through some of these games and playing some of the conference's best teams so soon and so frequently. Hey, we will see what happens there. Caden, let's go ahead and move on. We've uh, covered the Sun Belt East. We'll move on to the West. And how about we start with South Alabama, a team that very easily might be the favorite in the Sun Belt heading into this coming year. They bring back a lot of starters. I know you and I have both gone on record with how we feel about the Jags uh, looking at the 2023 season. Uh, They got a really tough crossover draw, though. They're going to have to go to James Madison in week five. They also will host Marshall in week 12. Those are two of the teams, Caden, that we kind of have circled as maybe the two top dogs in the East, and South Alabama is going to get both of them on their schedule. Here's what's also challenging for the Jags. Not only do we talk about the non-conference schedule, uh, you know, facing teams like Tulane and Oklahoma State, but they get four bill-eligible teams from this past year in the first five weeks of league play. They open league play at James Madison, which is possibly the third-ranked opponent in five weeks if the Dukes take care of business early on in the season. Troy, that game's going to be on national television at the start of November. I will say I'm really excited that that game has moved back a couple weeks. Last year, it was early October. I'm excited that that's early November. We wanted that. We got it. Uh, And then Caden, they're going to end the season with Marshall and at Texas State. So again, South Alabama, one of the favorites, much like James Madison, didn't get many favors in this schedule this year. Yeah, as far as cross-conference scheduling goes, they're definitely the JMU of the West. I mean, having to go to James Madison in their first conference game after a tough just four game non-conference stretch and then having to host Marshall is definitely not who you'd ask for, like I said, if you had to look at the other side. But After they go to James Madison, they go to ULM, and I think from there they'll get a little bit of relief. I think they'll be able to kind of get into their groove as far as being able to focus on their West opponents and go throughout their schedule. But they have six games at the end of their season, and only two of those will be on the road. And obviously they have to go to Troy on a Thursday in a short week, but that's going to be a tough game regardless for both of those teams. I'm pretty sure both of those teams with stakes that high and coming off of last year, they'll play in the parking lot tomorrow if they're able to do it. But then after that, they just have to go to San Marcos for their schedule. So I think like we talked about with James Madison, it's kind of we're seeing some of the teams that we're touting highly going into the season have some of the tougher schedules. And if they can come out of it, I think they'll definitely earn some of that national recognition or at least some recognition for the teams across the conference. Yeah, it certainly feels like trial by fire for some of the top teams in the Sun Belt to begin the season. Caitlin, we'll move on to Troy. Uh, this is a Troy team that won the conference championship uh, this past year, but there's going to be a lot of turnover on that roster. We've seen uh, some turnover on that coaching staff. John Summerall's still there, which matters. 
Uh, Caden, crossover draw for them, and I thought this was interesting for Troy. They're going to get their crossover out of the way very early on in the season. They're going to host James Madison in week three, and then they go to Georgia State in week five. To me, that feels like the ideal crossover draw for Troy. You get James Madison at home, and then what? You get on you get on I-85, and you go about you know two hours east, and you play Georgia State, so not much travel there, so that's a huge plus for Troy. Uh, they also have a very friendly stretch to open league play where they go to Georgia State. They've got Arkansas State at home the next week, and then they go to Texas State. All three of those are winnable games. Uh, and then, Caden, you've got that national TV game to open November uh, against South Alabama, which is going to be a fun one. Those two teams, like you said, they're pretty used to playing each other on Thursday because generally that game ends up on national television. Uh, and then they end the season. They have Louisiana at home, and then they have to go to Southern Miss to end the regular season. So I like this schedule for Troy. I think there's definitely some challenges, particularly having to play the Dukes early on in the season uh, because there's a lot of turnover on the Troy roster. But there are some opportunities here, and I really think Troy is set up pretty well uh, to have a good season on the field if they're able to refill the cupboard. Yeah, aside from the James Madison game, it's a very similar schedule to what they had last year, and they clearly proven that they can go on a tear in the West and in, in general and build themselves up and make their way to the the conference championship game. But the defending champs will be tested, I think, hosting James Madison so early in week three, especially coming off of a road trip at Kansas State, will be tough and we'll test them very early. And then you talked about getting that crossover game with Georgia State out of the way. And then they, too, like South Alabama, are going to be able to lock into that West division pretty quick. I think one of the more interesting back-to-backs, I think, of all of the schedules is going to Army and then going to Texas State. I think that's a lot of travel. That's two completely different environments as far as weather goes, two completely different offenses if you're a defensive player. So I think those two little back-to-back weeks are going to be an interesting challenge for Troy. But then you talked about it, hosting South Alabama, hosting Louisiana, and then going to ULM and Southern Miss to end the season. Those are four games I just imagine being close, hard-fought battles in November. And we talked about it. They remember November. I think that West Division might get decided in those last four weeks. And I'm very excited to watch the defending champs get after in that month. Yeah, to me, that's exciting because last year we saw the West Division basically get determined in October. So it will be fun to kind of have some of those storylines perhaps a little bit later on in the season. And Caden, we've talked about South Alabama and Troy, but here's another team that, you know, potentially could make some noise. Uh, and that's Southern Miss. Their fan base certainly good at making noise on Twitter. Now we need to see their football team continue to make more noise on the football field. But Caden, this is a, a schedule that gives them the ability to do that. Their crossover games, they've got Old Dominion coming to town. That should be chalked up as a win. They're going to App State, which I think is going to be one of the more interesting games of the year. I'm actually really excited about that matchup in Boone in Week 9. Uh, but Caden, they get a great stretch to open the season uh, in conference play. They're going to travel to Arkansas State, and then they've got Texas State and Old Dominion at home in the first three weeks. So, Hey, don't be surprised to see Southern Miss potentially sitting at 3-0 and in conference play to start the bat or right off the bat. Uh, and then they got to go to South Alabama and to App State within 11 days of each other at the end of October. So that's probably the most challenging stretch uh, for Southern Miss in this schedule. And then again, not getting a ton of favors here. They have to go on the road in four of the final six games of the year including getting, um, but they will then end the regular season. And this is another game I've really got my eye on is they're going to get the defending champ Troy uh, at home to end the regular season. So there's some bright spots here on this Southern Miss schedule and a chance for them to make some early season noise in that Sunbelt West. Yeah, after three non-conference games, two of which are 
at Florida State and against Tulane, which we know their fan bases have had differing opinions with us as far as the intrigue of those matchups. They have a very easy introduction to this conference schedule. They have to go to Arc State. They face Texas State. They face Old Dominion. You can't really ask for a better setup as far as easing your way into conference play. But I think if they do not take care of business in those games, I think those road games that you mentioned will be tough. I think if you look at going to South Alabama and to App State in back-to-back weeks and then going to Louisiana and to Mississippi State in back-to-back weeks, if they don't handle business early on in the season, I'll be very curious to see how those four road games end up for them and how they really have an impact on maybe some of their bowl eligibility, some of their conference eligibility as far as the championship goes. But I think those two tests right there and back-to-back weeks are going to be tough for this team. But if you look at their whole schedule, that's really about as tough as it gets for them. Yeah, it's going to be interesting there. And I really do think there is an opportunity, particularly if they are able to establish good quarterback play early on in the season. You've already got Frank Gore back. I do feel like there are some questions on defense. There's a guys, there's a ton of guys who are off of that team that have either chosen to go to the NFL uh, or have seen their eligibility run out. So there's a lot of things to rebuild in Southern Miss after a good season last year. Do they have some great offensive pieces? I think so. Uh, so we will certainly see how the Golden Eagles uh, play in 2023. Caden, Louisiana, let's move on to the team that I feel like got the best draw when it came to the crossovers in the conference this year. They got to face Old Dominion in week two. They go on the road for that game. And then in week eight, they've got Georgia State. And even to make that better, that's coming off of their bye. So you have to imagine they're going to be feeling good going to Atlanta. Uh, Their first three games are against non-bowl teams in 2022. Old Dominion, Texas State, and Georgia State. Two of those three are at home. Uh, So a lot of winnable games early on. And much like Southern Miss, there's an opportunity here for Louisiana maybe to make some noise early on in the season. Uh, They are, though, going to get both South Alabama and Troy on the road this year. So I think that's the tough part for this of this schedule for Louisiana is playing the top teams on the road. Uh, We saw last year they had good success against South Alabama at home before ultimately losing that game. But uh, there's definitely, again, an opportunity for a fast start here for the Raging Cajuns in 2023. Yeah, I mean, as far as finishes go from last season, you couldn't pick a better cross crossover game than getting Georgia State and Old Dominion as your opponents if you are Louisiana. Getting Old Dominion, I think, in a week two will be awesome for them. And then they have three weeks before they have another conference game, and it is against Texas State at home in October. So I think they'll have a lot of time to figure themselves out with a low-stakes conference game in the beginning of the year. But I think as far as their schedule goes, what really intrigues me the most is just their rematches that they have from their losses last year. They have to travel to South Alabama. We know how throwing of a game that was last year. They host Southern Mist yet again on a Thursday night game. We know how great of a game that was last year. They have to go to Troy. And then, of course, they have that season finale against ULM, a team that beat them for the first time in four years last year. So a lot of revenge and a lot of good action, I think, for the Cajuns once you kind of get behind that lull that they have in the beginning of the season. Yeah, I have to imagine they're excited that ULM is coming uh, to Cajun Field instead of uh, going up to Monroe because we saw how that went last year. Uh, Kane, just a couple of more teams here uh, in that Sunbelt West, Texas State. Uh, this was an interesting crossover draw. They've got two of their cross or both of their crossover draws at the end of the year. Uh, they've got Georgia Southern at home and then they go to Coastal Carolina in week 11. So back to back games there against two bowl eligible teams from a year ago. Uh, their first Sunbelt game is at Southern Miss on the 30th of September. Uh, they head to Louisiana the next week, uh, which is really just a tough stretch. And then finally, uh, they have games at home for four of the final six weeks, including three straight in October through early November. They are going to see four bowl eligible teams in the final five weeks of the year. Uh, I like this schedule for Texas State. I feel like they 
you know, are going to play some of the better teams at the end of the year. They're probably going to need some time at the beginning of the year to get up to speed, but watch out for this Texas State team. Perhaps at the end of the year, maybe there's an upset or two in there that's brewing if this offense gets rolling like it's been promised to be rolling. Yeah, great points you made there. I think them having their four non-conference games front-loaded at their schedule will definitely give them some time to figure out their new offense and defense. I know as a player, I liked getting my non-conference games out of the way like that before getting into conference play. But then you talked about it. They have some winnable games in the early part of their conference schedule but then as soon as they play troy october 28th i think their schedule just takes it up a notch having to go to troy having to play georgia southern going to coastal going to arc state and then finishing it up against south alabama at home to end the season i think by then though they have to be at the peak of their powers i think these are all teams especially talking about a troy and a south alabama team that were so dominant last year that you want to see them if you're a texas state and you're developing you're building something new you want to see them towards the end of the season so hopefully they can get some other stuff figured out in the beginning of the season so some of these matchups that we might think of going into the season as maybe lopsided can maybe swing a little bit more in the favor of texas state if they show some momentum and some promise early in the season yeah, we'll certainly see it. To me, those are the five teams that actually have, you know, good chances of maybe getting into bowls in the Sunbelt West. Caden, the last two teams, really, it's Arkansas State and ULM. Arkansas State didn't get a great crossover draw. They've got their Coastal Carolinas coming to town in week eight, and then they have to go to Marshall to end the season. So not a great draw for Arkansas State. And meanwhile, for ULM, they've got App State coming to town. I know a place that you've said you don't enjoy obviously playing at, and then they have to go to Georgia Southern in week eight. Um, they get App State in that league opener, and then really their final four weeks of the year, they've got they have to go to Southern Miss. They've got Troy at home. They go to Louisiana in the final four weeks of the year. So uh, things not looking overly bright for Arkansas State and ULM in terms of schedules looking ahead to 2023. Yeah, those last four weeks of ULM schedule, like you talked about, just I, I wouldn't wish that upon any team in the Sun Bowl, but I definitely don't wish it upon a team that struggled a little bit like Louisiana Monroe. I mean, going to Southern Miss, having to face the champions in Troy, then having to go to Oxford and face Ole Miss at the end of your season, just out of nowhere. That's why, again, like I said, like getting my non-conference games out of the way early. And then after all of that, then having to get up again for your biggest game of the season on the road against Louisiana, that's going to be tough for ULM. And looking at Arkansas State, at Marshall, at Southern or at South Alabama, at Troy, just not favorable as far as being on the road for a team that again has down was down the year before. So curious to see if some of these teams can maybe build some momentum early on in the season, and we might think of some of these matchups differently going forward. But as of now, just can't look at either of these two team schedules and feel too too great about these conference games that they have ahead of them. Well, suffice to say, a lot of juicy matchups in the Sun Belt this year. There's some teams that didn't get great schedules. There's some teams that got better uh, schedules. So it's going to be interesting, uh, you know, once we get into the season uh, to see how this goes. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Thanks for your continued support of the show throughout the off season. We're excited to continue interacting with you throughout the off season and into next year. Again, here's a quick plug to get your questions into our mailbag by emailing Frary and Smith at gmail.com in the coming weeks. We'd love to hear from you, our listeners. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Frary and Smith podcast next Wednesday. Uh, that'll be an exciting episode. We're working on a couple of show ideas and guests for the next couple of episodes that we're excited to share with you in the future. That'll do it for us here at the Frary and Smith podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us and the show out. We're going to continue bringing you some great content about the Sun Belt throughout the rest of the offseason. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. Thanks for joining us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.